Hey, it's your host, Ben. We've had a streak lately of technology bad luck. You may have noticed in the Not A Surf episode that the recording used my computer mic instead of my actual microphone. For this episode, the recording captured a very distinct echo in Elisa's channel. I did my best editing this one, but you may still experience some of that echo throughout the episode. I'm hoping that that doesn't detract from the episode itself because this was a really fun conversation. And as I mentioned here, I really dig Elisa's latest record. Hope you will go check that out as well. And while I'm recording this, I want to give some shout outs to some of our recent Patreon revisitors. So big shout outs to Tim McKay, Nicola Valley, and Tom Hershey. Thanks for jumping aboard the Patreon. Go join on the fun at patreon.com slash records revisited podcast to see all the details. One of the levels, you'll actually get to join us for an episode. All right, let's cue this up. Welcome to another episode of Records Revisit, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm the DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who sometimes needs a glass of whiskey, sometimes two or three, and he's often said to say, I don't care if you judge me. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben Ami. So for this episode, we have a special guest. I just quoted one of her songs in Wayne's intro. Her most recent record is called Anxious, Happy, Chill. Please welcome to the podcast, Elise Davis. Hello. How are we doing? Good. Good here in Nashville. What's, uh, what's the weather looking like in Nashville in uh, end, of, end of April? I guess it's beginning of May now. 74 degrees and sunny and breezy and awesome outside. Excellent. I will be drinking some whiskey outside later on today, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and so will Wayne. <laughs> All right. Well, a premise of our podcast, fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each episode, I ask the all-important question. I'm going to start with Wayne. What t-shirt are you wearing? I almost broke down and wore a shirt that I specifically bought for the White Whale, Will Hoag's episode, if it ever happens. And I, okay. I didn't do it, but I have another Rolling Stone shirt I just recently got. And I got it at the Harley shop in Las Vegas. Ooh, and it's, I like it's, that. Uh, the Tour of America's 1975. Little tie and I did not realize until yesterday is that they announced that tour. That's the one where they played on the flatbed bus on Fifth Avenue in New York on May 1st, 1975, I think. Hey, there we That's go. So cool. All right, how about you, Elise? What t-shirt are you wearing? I am wearing this really rad 1990 Jimmy Buffett tour t-shirt that is from, like, it's really old and really soft from purchased at a tour in the 90s because um, I was feeling the summer vibes. I, 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 you know, I'm not a super huge Jimmy Buffett fan, but I have been to a few of his shows and they're just kind of like tailgating the whole time people like arrive five hours early and grill out and like it's like a whole deal and um i was feeling that today and i like the colors of the the 90s vibes so that is my shirt today very good cool. very good well i gave i gave no thought to my t-shirt so i'm i'm wearing a seahawks football t-shirt it has nothing to do with music itself 
Um, we are recording this the uh, what on day three of the NFL draft, and yep. all I can say is I'm not super happy with their first pick. Um, maybe Wayne, you can talk me off the ledge, but why in the hell are we drafting another wide receiver when we need an O line? I it's hard to I don't see. I don't I'm, I, you, even you're without words, so I, I don't know. I think they need pass rushing more than they need anything. I did. I did too. But all right. Well, uh, enough. I don't about know anything football. about football, so I can't. <laughs> okay. Well, we're 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 going to change the topic. We'll 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 talk about this offline. All right. Um, I at least so I'm trying to remember how I got introduced to your music a few years ago. It was probably on some playlist that I found. Um, I've had I go to bars and get drunk, which I. I quoted, um, and I've had last laugh on some playlists of my own over the years. Awesome. Um, I don't, and I don't remember which one I I found. We'll talk about your your your, your new music here in a second. Um, you're originally from Arkansas, correct? Yes. Uh huh. Um, well, I was born in Dallas, Texas, but moved to Little Rock, Arkansas, at a young age, and grew up there. Okay. So. So tell me about the journey of going from Arkansas to Nashville. How long have you been in Nashville now? Yeah, um, this July, I will have been here for 10 years, which is really weird to like have been here for a full decade. Um, I, I when I was I, I was in a band when I was doing college and I um, I thought I was just going to stay in Arkansas and sort of always tour a bunch and still remain in Little Rock um, because my band was all in Little Rock and everything. And I was on a tour when I was like 20 years old and I, um, I, they're one of the bouncers. I was telling him that that was my plan. I'll never forget this night. And he was like, you have to leave Arkansas if you actually are serious about your music <laughs> career. <laughs> and it was like really impactful to me. And on the plane ride home from that show, I was like, I'm going to move to Nashville. And I d- had never been to Nashville. I didn't know anyone there, but I got an apartment and a waitressing job. And about a month later I, I moved to Nashville and that was 10 years ago. So wow, been a while now. So, so up until, um, so your first record came out in what, 2016? But I had released a lot of records like, like from when I 16 on, but okay. I, I call the token my official first record. It was the first one I ever like had a producer and really like put out, um, with any promotion of any sort. So yeah, I consider that my first record. So while you were in Nashville, the, the first couple of years, was that, were, did you have a publishing deal? Were you just trying to get get noticed um nothing i was waiting tables in two restaurants every day and i uh was going and started playing in writers rounds which was something that like didn't exist doesn't exist in arkansas or uh, many places but it's really popular here i don't know if it's like when uh a few songwriters pass songs around in circles and they're they're kind of like open mics you can go join them and um so i started doing those around nashville at the time it's like this this does seem so ancient now but i would like bring a cd with me into the venues and be like can i go you know can i play in these writers rounds or whatever um and i was doing that for about a year um and then i uh, when i had been there for about a year and a half i got offered my first publishing deal and um that then i wrote on music row um as like a salary paid songwriter for seven years um I intentionally left that because I, I, even though there's, there's nice security in that, I I, um, had to go on a lot of like rights with bro country people trying to write songs for, uh, you know, pop kind of stuff that I wasn't into. And, um, but it was such a, such a huge part of my life, um, being forced into 
being in that scene, you know, like they, they would give you my, my a schedule every week. It's like be at Sony at 11 o'clock on Monday, be at Universal here, but just with co-writing. And um, so I'm really grateful for, for the time that I spent doing that. But yeah, it was about a, after a year and a half after being here when I started kind of getting in the industry circles. Was there any bro country songs that we would know? <laughs> no, I uh, no, I I would always try to like m- get, like they would pair me up with like producers who would like have like a, a, this is very generic, but I'm giving you the gist of it. Like, yeah. let's write a song about like a truck and a dirt road, and here's a beat, and then I would be like, but let's make it like emotional. Let's like get into, and I would like I would try to like make it more artsy, and they often like I like it just wasn't right on either end ever. You know, I was always trying to pull um things in different ways miranda lambert almost cut one of my songs and i was so sad when she didn't she had it on hold for a full year um and then decided to she wanted to be a writer on everything on the what she was releasing but uh yeah i, I wasn't meant for the bro country writing <laughs> i'd probably like, have more money if i if i had but <laughs> yeah they're like we want to just talk about mud on the tires and you're like well what about that mud like what was the emotional connection with the mud, with the f- mud flaps? And yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's talk about new records. So anxious, happy, chill. Okay. So I have to ask you this because I'm, I'm an English major or I was an English major. So with having the period for each of those words, w- was there an effect that you were going for with anxious, comma, or I mean, anxious period, happy period, chill period. I think I think I was just distinguishing them as all kind of like these like big like circle of emotions that I feel like I had been going through in that the year that I wrote this record. Um, anxious is equal as it was to happy, as equal as it was to chill. So to me, okay. it was sort of just separating them. I can't say there's like some super deep reason for the periods, but I did I did just like the way that it felt having them there, so I went with it. I like it. I like <laughs> it. All right. And and I know I say this a lot on the podcast Wayne to our guests, but I really dig this record. Like um Oh absolutely I, I, I and I and I read that you recorded this at the beginning of the pandemic. Um did did I read something about how you really didn't have any interaction with your producer other than like on the other side of the glass. Yeah, it was really weird because I, I, I love for the studio time to be like this really social time. And I love bringing in bands where we all play the songs together, like as a band before we even start tracking. Um, Because sometimes I feel like that has like totally changed what the tempo should be or something. And, um, but so that was, had been our plan, but um, we recorded at the end of April and, um, that was like when things were like really like everyone was like, what? no one really knew what was going on, but we were all being told to stay in and all that. So and my producer has four kids and two of them were like newborn babies. And so he was extra freaked out. And um, so we he we would both wear masks and we saw each other and I would like slide by him like until I could get into the vocal booth room. And that was our routine every day. And um and so it ended up, I ended up playing guitar on the record a bunch because we didn't bring in someone like normal, which ended up being something that I learned from and really enjoyed doing. But, um, but yeah, it was very, very different because we were never around each other the whole time. Yeah, that, that would be, so I'm assuming that the first two records that, that you did were, you had the full band with you. 
like the first one I made, it was me and a band in a cabin out in the woods in Parsons Field, okay. Maine, um, with like no internet even. And we were there for like 10 days. And that was amazing. Um, because that was like, we'd get up and we'd drink coffee and we'd play. And then, and it, the whole thing, it was like, not only what were we doing that we were like, living together for 10 days um and then with right. my uh, my other record it, it, I, I did make it in nashville but um it was that like the bands would come in and we'd all hang out and then when we we'd stop and we'd have some drinks and then maybe try it again and you know like it's it's i love that about recording usually um so yeah that's how the other ones were made and what I intended for this one, but did not happen, obviously. But I definitely know that I want to go back to doing that for the next one. Yeah. This seems like the most personal of the records for you. For you. Maybe I'm wrong, but it, it felt more personal. It, I think it's more vulnerable inherently because I, they're like, I'm singing about like being in love in this really like um, deep way. I, you know, I got married, um, like in, and from my last record, I met the person that I'm now married to. And the, these songs were kind of, and I'm like, I'm a stepmom now. I, there's all, like a lot of really big um, life changes I've gone through and I've changed yeah. so much personally from, um, but I also think that the reason for that is that I wrote this record pretty much by myself. There's only two co-writes on the record. Um, so okay. it's like my last records, a lot of them were co-writes, even though I, I would write the majority of the songs and kind of finish them up with this one guy. Generally, we had a falling out since my last record. But um, uh, so because of a lot of things and because I wrote like five of these songs, finished them on my honeymoon, like they were um, just like, I think writing them by myself, makes them more personal in this in a way or I, that's yeah. what i feel like so that's cool to hear that you think that too i do um i say this on the podcast a lot wayne i want to be punched in the face for the the album's opening track that's totally the case for ladybug Absolutely. i love it Rad. Also made a video for that song how long did the cleanup take <laughs> oh my gosh i i bought this body paint that people use to like go to raves and they know they're sweating and stuff and so it's like made yeah. to like kind of dry really dry on your skin and we didn't finish shooting it until like two in the morning and it was it was like kind of cool outside but i couldn't go in the house where we were we were in louisiana doing it and um so my husband basically just got a hose and like we stood in this oh, backyard no. and he just like sprayed the hose at me and I did, but it was like not coming off. I was scrubbing with a washcloth. 
it took a while. <laughs> How much skin did you lose in the process? <laughs> well, the, I was just red for like three days because I couldn't get it all off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and and there were, we had some malfunctions with the camera. Like I, I, there were the video was supposed to be a little bit different than what it ended up being. I'm happy that we ended up with enough to kind of like make it a complete video, but okay. it, was, it was a bit of an ordeal. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's talk thirty. So did did you do you feel like reaching age thirty was a milestone for you? I that song is more just like making fun of myself for even thinking that it was thinking like a big that? deal. Like okay, like when I was younger, I, I, and I remember being like in my mid twenties, and it's kind of from twenty five on, it was like what my friends and I would all we'd be like, oh my god, but I'm going to be thirty by then, and like like it was this big thing, but. But um, I'm 32 now, and my uh, my 30s so far have been like truly my favorite decade of my life. Like I don't like feeling my knees ache more when I go on a jog <laughs> or seeing my fine lines on my face. But but um, I just think the the coolest thing about getting older is like how your perspective just kind of continues to widen, and as you get older, you have more empathy for like the older people that were in your life and 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 so on. And so I, I love yeah. I love my 30s, and that song is like making fun of ever thinking that that's like a bad age to get to <laughs> right i don't know if, if wayne will agree with me but i i've i've told a few people since we've since we're now in our 50s i feel like i'm just now hitting my stride i love that Ooh. i love i, I hope feel- that we feel that way always you know on some level wayne's laughing at me because i think he doesn't believe that oh well it's not i just i think I actually think my 30s were probably my favorite decade, but uh, I am—I'm more in a, a powerful in my 50s. I got—I got more money and more clout, so that's nice. But I—I kind of feel like the rock star. I, I'm do—I'm doing casino tours and stuff now. I'm not <laughs> not big time. Uh, I mean, there's pros and cons. I'm traveling on my reputation. <laughs> like aging definitely is not all fun, but I—I I think if we're doing it right and that's just the way I feel at this time is like just continuing to open your mind and like appreciate how much there is to learn and to know and and continually all you know always or or I I think I'm gonna feel that way I hope that y'all both feel that way too yeah yeah Yeah. I still have at least 10 years Wayne before I'm at that sequin jumpsuit Las Vegas lounge once again so I'm still out I'm still getting out there I say I haven't you know I could I got enough I could just be sitting back at the poolside with some hangers on and yet i'm still getting up and going out (laughs) on tour all right uh did did you you mentioned wayne that you've listened to the record what uh what 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 stood out for you i uh, i love ladybug but i also loved honeymoon uh because i i love i say i love the honeymoon phase and it's you always like in the song you get those haters that are telling you it's the honeymoon phase and how it's going to end
and you don't want to everybody knows that you don't want to hear it um it's just it's a great song that was my favorite and like i say looking at some of the old songs um there's one called married young which uh strikes a personal chord with me and i absolutely love that song too oh thank you Yeah, that was a fun combination. I, I co-wrote that song with um, uh, one of my dear friends who's an amazing songwriter, Erin Enderlin, um, but she got married when she was like 19, or she might have been 20. Um, but then it was this blend of me talking about like my relationship at that time, and then we just started talking about life. And so the blend of her, like kind of where this, that, that, that kind of a thing is what's cool about co-writing. It's like sometimes songs like that can come out from two different experiences. Yeah, but cool. Thank you. Yeah, the honeymoon phase, everyone would always like everyone who I had been close with, because I was never really in long term relationships before the person I I just was in like, all these half hearted, strained, like on my end, I was just really bad girlfriend, like my whole life. (laughs) Um, And, uh, and I had also like, was really skeptical of long term relationships because of all the people that I knew closely that had been in them would just kind of be like, Oh, yeah, just you wait, like, it'll change and all that stuff. And um, so when I when I was in that phase, I was kind of like, I don't even care if it is going to change. I don't even care if like my heart's going to get crushed, like I'm doing what I'm doing. But but I also like now being being in a relationship for a while, it's like it does change. And, I, and I'm sure it will always change. But that doesn't necessarily mean negative, you know, that's, it can, it's like, I feel like I know him more, so much more than then. And even though like there was, there were really fun things that are not quite as the same way, then there's like also these new fun, more deep ways that I, that, that come with connecting with someone long-term. Yeah. Um, all right. Last, last thing on the album, favorite song for me is waves. Beautiful song. Thank you. Uh, um, to t- tell me, could, so I want to go back to what you were saying about not having the full band in the, in the studio. So how did you, how did you put all the layers of the backing vocals and, you know, there's kind of the soaring atmospheric thing going on towards the end of the song. Yeah. Um, it is kind of crazy how you can create that with like just two people sitting in there, you know? Um, okay. but, but I think a lot of that is my producer is an incredible guitar player. Um, he did like the lead stuff on the record. I, I'm just the rhythm guitars, but, um, and he, he can do all this sort of atmospheric stuff just with like the pedals in his guitar, as well as we used a Mellotron a whole lot, which is a, like my favorite type of keyboard, um, can do so many crazy things. And then I just kept layering and layering my vocals. And so it's just like, you can, you can just keep building and building, even though there wasn't a band there to make it huge still but um so that that was fun that like long outro and that that had been sort of my plan my first album the token there's like these minute long jams on like five of the songs where the band like we just like we're like let's let go of structure and everyone sort of just played um that i didn't get to do a lot of on this record because of the situation but that was like the one moment where there's like a like a minute or so long like musical sort of out outro type thing which um i'm glad at least i got one on there (laughs)
Well, you can always you you can always make the live experience different than the album with yeah. having yeah yeah it'll be hard to do recreate some, that live. <laughs> yeah, do do some do some jamming. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so Elise, tell us what record you chose to revisit for your, this episode. I chose Lucinda Williams' "World Without Tears," her 2003 album. Okay, so so tell me. Was this the one that you're like, this is the one I want to talk about? Or were there some other choices? There were. I struggled a little bit. Um, there was a Wilco record, um, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, that I almost went with. And then um, Cheryl Crow's self-titled Cheryl Crow album. Um, I think it was like 1993. Um, but but and it, it, this was like a really kind of challenging thing for me, actually, to, to pick one album like that. And I was I even asked um, Michelle, the person who, who told me about this, um, that I was like, is there any way I can do like two or three? She was like, no, it has to be one. Um, and I chose Lucinda Williams because like the premise of the way, you know, is what is the most uh, influential album to you? And I would say that just Lucinda Williams as a songwriter. And even though like I don't even listen to her or this album nearly as much as I used to, just because I've listened to it so much for so many years, but um, there's so many things about her as a songwriter and an artist that I think made a big impact on me as like an 18 year old and, and beyond. So it felt like the right one to choose, like thinking about most influential. Yeah. Sometimes when the, the, um, the, the guest picks a record, um, after I listen to the record, I'm going, really? You're influenced by that? And then after listening to to Lucinda's record, I'm like, oh yeah, I can I can see that. <laughs> I was actually curious, like what, like if y'all would even like this record and or or what. But but I was really close to picking the Cheryl Crow one too because like she was really like that was like the first. Those were the first songs I was learning on the guitar when I was like in my like early teens and and. I know that those things really impact like, and she still, I still think that because that's the one that has like, if it makes you happy and all those like mega yeah. hits, like, like all on this one album. It's every just day is a winding road. Yeah. Like yeah. it's yeah. an insane album. We have, so we have done one Cheryl Crow record. Which one did we do? Uh, the Globe, Globe Sessions. Sessions. So that's right. Yeah. So we did, we have done a Cheryl Crow record. We already did Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Okay, so good. That was, so that was already taken. We did that with Dale, Dale Murphy, who, you, at least you probably have no idea because he's a baseball player. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, don't know too much about sports. <laughs> um, all right. So, so Wayne, um, I'm going to lean heavily on your expert analysis on this one because usually, usually I listen to the guest pick like four or five times if I'm super familiar with the pick and more times if I'm not super familiar. And then I caught myself listening to your record, at least more than um, Lucinda's record. So, so Wayne, you've been forewarned in case I don't make many comments about certain songs on this record because okay. I caught myself listening to Elise's record more. So fair warning, fair warning on that. All right. Um, I'm also sorry if I gave y'all like sort of a hard record. It, it was super hard for me even to number it because one of the things about her is she doesn't really have like one or two obvious hits like on any of her records, really. They're like just like those kind of records that you can put on and let stream all the way down and you just kind of repeatedly do that. Like I don't go to yeah. one song over and over, which makes it really hard to number because it's like it's just the sound and the overall vibe to me. But yeah. So sorry all, if I made all, it hard. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. It's all good. 
Um, Wayne, were you super familiar with Lucinda? Uh, not as much as I... Everything I've ever heard from her, I absolutely love. I just didn't... And I don't know why I don't spend more time with it. I got, her voice is so unique. Like, nobody sounds like that. And what's funny is it absolutely reminds me in a lot of ways uh, of Keith Richards. Like, especially when she has that Telecaster around her, there's something bluesy and raw and and just like completely untethered like it's not there's nothing you could do to con to 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 channel it any you know you couldn't you can't control it much like keith richards it's like he she just does it's bluesy it's it's rock it's country it's yes. folk it gets i mean the the last song has a real almost like celtic you know funeral dirge feel to it. it's like she just it's just all over the place it's just a raggedy and beautiful yeah yeah, I really love that about her, too. And she uses yeah. her touring bands on the albums, too, which I think is a cool because like I've seen her live a, a whole bunch of times. And, and that's one of the that's one of the things that makes it great, too, is like she she her bands are just super solid and super talented and really tight. And it's just a really great show. Now, so so she made this. So the personnel include Doug Pettibone, who I mean, he's played with everybody. Now is is Doug part of the traveling band? I, I'm not sure. I just know that on this album, like at the time, this was the her road band. Like when the, and they all okay. went in the studio for this album. So I, I think she's had. I, I know that she's had trouble. Um, she gets drunk and fires her people on the road a lot. <laughs> um, she's not always been the most stable person. I guess you could so say. She's just like Keith Richards. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's been like on and off heroin on the road, and like like over the yeah. years, like in in it probably around one this album um but also like she had been touring for years and years and years before like like people the car wheels on a gravel road album i think she was like she was like 40 something when that like that album she finally got like recognized and she'd been like doing it for a long time before that which i think is like another cool thing about her it's she's it's just her We're, you know it's like one of those she'll do it until she dies it's just her it's, and um i love that about her too yeah I, I will freely admit that during the, the late 90s, early 2000s, um, I always mixed up for Victoria Williams with Lucinda Williams. I don't know who Victoria Williams is. Should I know that? Yeah, probably. Another artist? Another artist, yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So this album you mentioned came out in 2003. Uh, it was released on Lost Highway Records. Um, this was nominated for Best Contemporary Folk Album Grammy. Didn't didn't win. Um, let me let me throw out the nominees to see if you guys can 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 figure out who won that year. All right, so Roseanne Cash for Rules of Travel, Emmy Lou Harris for Stumble Into Grace, Tom Paxton for Looking for the Moon, and then Warren Zevon The Wind. What do you think, Wayne? I'm going to say Emmy Lou Harris. That's what I would have said, or, or maybe Warren Zevon. Yeah, just keep in mind that was Zevon's last album that came out before he passed away. So, yeah, it was Warren Zevon that won. Um, she was nominated for one other Grammy for this. I'll bring that up here in a, in a, in a minute. All right, anything else we want to bring up before we go track by track? I'm ready. Nope, nope. All right, let's dive into it. So as a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. 
Wayne, how many songs on this record? 13. Which means our top song is going to get 13 points. Nick's favorite, 12 points on down to lowest score of one. Let's kick this off with Fruits of My Labor. All right, so is this a good album opener? I already mentioned the um, punch me in the face. Does this punch you in the face? In a Lucinda way, I would say. In a Lucinda way, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not super high energy necessarily, but it's like it's the vibe and it sets the tone, I would say. What is it about Lucinda's with with her... Like I threw this out on the on the socials a couple days ago, um, and I want to hear what your guys' opinion is. So I laid down the gauntlet and I said, "Kate Bush is my favorite female vocalist." Like I, if there's one female voice that I want to hear all the time, it's Kate Bush. Even though she's weird and eclectic with her with her her music. I just, I'm mesmerized by her voice. So I threw it out there on the social and said, you know, who are some of your favorite voices? I wanted to hear to see if anybody actually said Lucinda and somebody actually did. <laughs> and they, and, and, and I was kind of surprised because um, she doesn't have that traditional, like, yeah, it's it's how, not. How do, it's how do you, not, I don't even know how to it's describe. It's not it. conventionally like yeah. pretty, like right. it, just like say that's why I kept making the comparison to Keith Richards. When Keith Richards sings, he's no Mick Jagger, but there's something absolutely. I mean, there's certain songs like Mick Jagger couldn't sing "Happy" or "Before They Make Me Run." Like only Keith Richards can do those songs, and these songs. Right. I, I sometimes hear I can sometimes hear another person maybe being able to do this, but in a lot of ways, she's she it's she's the only voice you can hear doing some of the, these songs. Yeah, I think I think that's like that. Those are always my favorite singers in general, like the ones that are maybe a little rough around the edges, but also like just like it's very unique. Like another person that I just thought about that I almost when I was thinking about what record to do was Amy Mann for this. Cause I've been a huge Amy Mann fan forever too. Um, Me too. I, I just didn't, I, I went with Lucinda Williams cause it was like, she's the longest term sort of influence, but a Amy Mann, but to me too, her voice is like kind of like nasally sounding. And even like, if you just isolate like Bob Dylan's voice, it's like not great at all, but it's like the, the songs are, are great and, and, and it works. And, and it's like a lot of people obviously love him. Like, it's funny just how like sometimes voices that really, I mean, like think about Tom Waits and like, you know, it's just like their voice is not conventionally pretty, but that's like what makes, makes it cool and memorable. Yeah. There's a yeah. conviction behind it that you, that you just that takes over and goes past, you know, the the traditional pretty sounding voice. Totally. 
Yeah, perfect comparisons with Dylan and and Waits, but I, I've I've been on record of saying, like, if another voice sings a Bob Dylan song, I'll probably really like it. <laughs> whereas whereas when Bob is singing it, I, I'm with you. I understand the conviction behind it, but not. He's not one of those voices that I'm going to Bothers seek out. You. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I and, can see that. I, I don't listen to him a ton, honestly. Yeah, and I don't know if if I don't know if somebody could turn one of these Lucinda songs into that where you're you're taking a more conventional voice and turning it into a happy song. I think you've got to just let Lucinda sing these songs because they're. <laughs> yeah, I, I've definitely tried to cover her on the road a lot. <laughs> there's just a few songs of hers I love singing so much that I. Um, yeah. There's a song called Blue. It's not on this record, but I would highly recommend listening to it. But um, yeah, it's her songs are so fun to sing. And I've heard some people cover her songs um, that, that are cool, but it's still like it's like it's not going to be cooler than her version of it because it's just her version is its own thing. Yeah, yeah. All right. Anything lyrically on Fruits of My Labor that we want to touch on? Um, I had the lyrics pulled up. I, to me, like I could just go, like highlight lyrics in pretty much any of her songs, and it's one of the one of the things I've always been attracted to as a songwriter from a young age was like really specific imagery, and she does that in all of her songs, but yes. but also like in a unique way. Um, like like in the first verse, it says like. Um, when we slept together in the blue behind your eyelids, like as, as a way of describing him, like, I, I don't, it, it's just everything, like the way that she says a sentence is like saying something really direct, but it's, it's pulled apart in a way that makes it really creative and different. Um, like I, I could keep like reading the whole, now that I'm looking at the lyrics. I'm like, <laughs> I, could just I, I highlighted that one. And also the uh, traced your scent through the gloom. I know. Beautiful. Yeah. She, she makes these, I don't know, just interesting word choices. But this song is so sad and sexy. And the way they use the brushes and the pedal steel, if she didn't sing at all, you could still, it still sounds sad and sexy. Yeah, I know. I know. It's great. I love this one. Yeah. All right, let's get scores. Wayne, what do you got? A 10. All right. Elise, your score? Uh, I was a 12. All right. This is my 11. All right, next song, Righteously. And this was another one that was nominated for a Grammy. So she was nominated for, for this song, for Best Female Rock Vocal Performance. She didn't win. Um, here were the other people nominated. Bonnie Raitt, Time of Our Lives. I don't know that song. Wayne, do you know that song? No, I'm not, I'm not off the I top don't. of my head. It doesn't say good riddance before it, so it's not a Green Day cover. Um, all right. Avril Levine, Losing Grip, Michelle Branches, Are You Happy Now, and then Pink Trouble. 
That is so random that those songs are next to this song. Are you ki- Yeah, I know. So uh, I'm like, yeah. That's and, weird. And of course, and of course Pink won. <laughs> I was going to say Avril Lavigne or Pink. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that, I think that's the, the like one of the most notes I would make about this song is like she definitely is like a true rock and roller. And that comes out a lot in her vocal performance in this song. Yeah, for sure. Wayne, what do you got on this one? Well, I, and the the sexy says, the, all the sad is gone. The pedal steel is replaced by a very Keith Richards-esque, that spacey, almost like something uh, out of Gimme Shelter, uh, those those uh, licks that come in beto- between like the, because the third and fourth verse, if that's if that's even how it is, because the cool thing, this song, it, she runs through it and it's so cool. The only thing you can do is do it all over again. Uh, I thought that was the coolest part of this song is you literally get to hear it twice and, and, and that, and it feels perfect. Yeah. Wayne, I, I will say this. Um, no lover of mine has ever said, just play me John Coltrane. <laughs> Are, no, we just I, dating? Are we just dating the wrong people? <laughs> Marrying the wrong people? <laughs> Well, I can't, I can neither confirm nor deny that, but yeah, okay. this one just, right. I can say some of the stuff in this, it's just this, the, the, the point of view of this song is so different from the last one. And there's, right. I mean, there's a, the strength and the warning here seems to be like, you're going to keep messing around and you're going to miss out on this where the other, the previous song, she's just, you know, broken hearted about, about the law, you know, not having that person in their life anymore. And this one is like, you better watch out. You're going to miss this when it's gone. If you don't watch yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, scores. Elise, your score on righteously. A six. Wayne. Oh, I loved it. I gave it a 12. All right. Nice. And I loved it as well. This is my 13. This was, this was hard for me, honestly. Like, it really was to number them because I would go back and forth and then I'd be like, oh, but that should be that one. And that was so... We, we, we get it. We do this every week. So we totally get it. All right. Yeah. Um, all right, next song is Ventura. But I can't pretend I wish I was somewhere else I want to watch the ocean bend And it's a slower tempo song. Let me just justify my scores for 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 this record. So the ballad songs didn't resonate with me as much as the up tempo songs did for me. Mm, me too. The lyrics for this song though get the higher marks for me, which is why I justified a little bit higher score. Um, yeah. Where did where did you guys? see your scores resonating was it with the more up-tempo or did you did you um like the 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 slower ballady bluesy songs with this record i probably the slower ballady ones actually were probably a little higher on my rankings i'm not like 100 percent sure but but 
I like all of them. So, and, and on another, other records of hers, like that could be different, um, just with this record in particular. And, and honestly, this song in particular, um, I remember being like, like, uh, when I first heard this younger and it really like, uh, as a songwriter, kind of like a learning thing for me because, uh, like I do, I've dealt with depression a lot throughout my life. And this song is like, to me, for just really good way of describing what it feels like when you're depressed. Or, or I, I like I, I, I heard this song when I was really depressed and I, maybe that like influences that a lot too. But um, but it's also just that really stark, really literal um, like expression that it's just something that I've always really loved about this song. Wayne, what do you got? Uh, and I would say that the, the higher tempo, bluesier stuff that really, I mean, really sounds like it could have came out of the exile on main street sessions or, I mean, some of these songs, there's a song in here. I, you could put it on some girls, I think, and it would, Keith would have to sing it, but it would, it would be fit <laughs> awesomely. Um, so I, I definitely would this, this song and this song, particularly the, the ver or the chorus is the, just the, this huge highlight when, when it goes into that, I want to watch the ocean bend and the pedal steel starts and then the harmony vocals come in it just it's it just soars out of that yeah, yeah. the higher pitch male harmonies that she has a lot i love that about her albums in general yeah all right um there's there's lyrics in here where it says take the long way home so i can ride around put neil young on and turn up the sound do you guys have some bands or artists that cause you to take the long way home all the time it just changes depending on the that year okay. or that mood you know and, and i i think i listen to a lot of different I, I still love finding albums that i'm obsessed with but but when i was thinking about currently like when i was thinking about this like what would be my album of this past year that i could say this about and it's just kind of different now because i just listen to so much different stuff um but yeah depending on the mood there's kind of it changes what about y'all uh, lately, it's been Valerie June. That's who I've been to. Oh, I love her. She has a really unique voice. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, last year, it was Strand of Oaks. I listened to that, his last album, a lot. I need to uh, check that out. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Wayne, anything? Uh, David Bowie, probably. Okay. Nice. Can't go wrong there. All right. <laughs> All right, uh, Ventura scores. This is my nine. Wayne, seven. This Elise. is my ten. Okay. Next song is "Real Live Bleeding Fingers and Broken Guitar Strings," and how good is that title? <laughs> I feel like this one's gonna be higher on y'all's list because when I think about what y'all were just saying, <laughs> it, it will. It will. <laughs> it will. <laughs>
I have the benefit of of seeing everybody score, so um, I'm going to punt this over to Wayne. Ah, I yeah, I this this is the song that if Keith Richards could have could have sang this, maybe uh, like on put somewhere on the second side of some girls, or you know something out of the exile uh, sessions. It just she has all of that in there. That's all that swagger and that bluesiness, and it's funny as I have. I think that she, I, I reading the lyrics. I wasn't sure she wasn't talking about Keith Richards. Um, you know the, <laughs> like remember I used to wear that velvet jacket on like you know in that late seventies like New Barbarians era when he was doing some solo stuff in between. Obviously references to heroin, and uh, and the one that the one that made me think of uh, that really kind of I added to it plus bleeding fingers, broken guitar strings. But the different shapes in every note, uh, Keith Richards is known for playing open G with no uh, sixth string um, and can just do so much with just one one finger. He can play so much uh, guitar. So it almost felt like in a lot of ways that this was some sort of because, I mean, she was born in 53. So yeah. in the 70s, she was, you know, 1970 at the height of the Rolling Stones uh, popularity. She yeah. would have been in her late teens early 20s yeah it was probably out playing music herself yeah so there was a lot of i felt like there was a lot of references to to keith and like i say that could be except for the use of prince charming kind of putting it into a male role i mean she had heroin problems she's a you know a road warrior guitar player i could say you if you've ever seen a picture of her with that telecaster around her waist and and a a ripped up shorts you know t-shirt she's She's literally, it's like they, they could have been separated at birth. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's Which funny. Which means she's going to live forever then, right? <laughs> yeah. You can't kill Keith Richards. going to live forever. You cannot do it. <laughs> yeah. Elise, what, what else you got on this one? This didn't track as high for you. It, it didn't, and it's not because I don't like it. Like, again, I like every song on the record. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I think it's like maybe, maybe this record I mostly put on when I'm like kind of like craving some of those slower ballads on there and like Ventura um, and actually, well, we'll get to that song, but, um, but so I don't know. I like, it's, I, I don't really, it's just like, I guess lyrically like didn't connect with me on a personal level as much. It doesn't mean I don't like it, the song, but um, it's just why it was lower on my list. All right. Let's get scores then. Elise, what was your score? It was a three. Okay. Wayne. A 13. This is my favorite song. Uh, <laughs> that's so funny how this could happen like that. <laughs> and this is my 12. So <laughs> nice. I really oh dig it gosh. as well. <laughs> that's funny. All right. Next song is Overtime. I guess out of the blue cross my mind I'll get over you Over time And let me just throw this out. The guitar tone or the effect or whatever that's going on. Um, yeah, too much. It, it, it was too much. Too much. Too I love much that about me. it. <laughs> and uh, it so it reminded me of Sleepwalk 
You know, Santo and Johnny, the 60s, you know, the slide guitar song? I don't know. All right. That's that's kind of what it reminded me of. All right, you got homework to do. <laughs> yeah, that. I know. <laughs> too, too much. I think that if it was only at the beginning and maybe during an interlude portion or, you know, right before the the you know, the bridge or something, maybe I would dig it more, but yeah, it just got a little, little too much on me. All right. Um, so Elise, you, you, you dug that tempo then you love that effect. That guitar tone like blends with her voice on this side, on this song, like the, the way that she holds out notes a whole lot on this one. And I don't, I don't know. I've, I've always loved it. I've always, but I also, it, again, this one is like, like this is an album I've listened to when I was, really depressed like a lot of times and and going through like breakup stuff and so it's like the the words in these slow kind of sad ones like i think that's they just like hit home for me and and why they come on the top but but yeah i also like that guitar tone that's like so funny both of y'all were immediately like too much (laughs) i don't like the fact that wayne and i are in in uh conjunction here today (laughs) is that not usually the case it's not usually the case not not always a good thing so this is this is my one wayne your score i i also this was my one this was uh my nine okay all right next song is those three days Fight through flesh down to the bone And I have been so fucking alone Since those three days Did you only want me for those three days? Did you only need me for those three days? Did you love me forever? And and we've already talked about the imagery that's in the lyrics. Um, so much good li- imagery in this one. Yeah, that's the, like the first thing I would say about this one. And and like this was a huge, hugely influential song to me because I remember listening to it when I was younger and thinking like, God, that's so edgy feeling. I can't believe she's saying that like that with that like grit and 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 I mean, I, I, this song is like about I think about heroin. Um, I, I or her struggle with it. It's like if it, 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 like you could interpret it maybe as a person, but I think it's not. Um, but that it's just so like like filled with imagery and and gritty and so good. Yeah, I don't have many notes on this one, but one of them is heroin question mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like like I, I've I've asked myself. I mean, if you really look at the lyrics, it seems as though that that's what she's talking about, but. Yeah. We oh yeah. Know. I mean, the the scorpion. Uh, yeah. yeah. The scorpion the, crawling across my screen, make their home beneath my skin. Underneath my dress, stick their tongues, bite through the flesh, down to the bone, and I've been yeah. so fucking alone. Oh, sorry, not PG. Oh no, that's no, that, go ahead. That the way she's the everything almost is condensed into that one. With the first time she says it, uh, more most of all, like you can absolutely. There's, heartbreak desperation despair just all of this uh, yeah, yeah she really, really in the first part especially but yeah um all that she just uses these great words like this is one of those songs where it's it 
it's my favorite song when I'm listening to it. And it's like, I have to try to put them in order because this, she really, it really captures your attention when it's, when it's happening. You can't, it's like, you can't turn away. Um, but yeah, the, the, the scorpions on the screen, I could just, I mean, it just created this vision of somebody, you know, flopped out on this chair, staring out this, you know, open door with the screen door closed and the scorpions on it into this, you know, California desert, you know, kind of, it just uh, really gritty. Yeah, gritty is a great term. This is just a, uh, just uh, gritty. Yeah, and I and I I think that there's a lot of double meaning in the lyrics as well. So you know you could you could look at this as a as a person. You could look at this as heroin addiction. I mean, and that's the beauty of of using some of this imagery and using some of these lyrics is you could have those double meanings and. Maybe both of them are right and both of them are wrong. And it's like it's like that Scorpions line comes right after she says, you say there's always going to be this thing between us days are filled with dreams. It's like, what does that mean exactly? But I like love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it could mean a lot of things, if you, 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 but, but it, it's just I think that's just so, so beautiful. Yeah. All right. Wayne, your score. Eleven. OK. And Elise. And eleven as well. Ooh, we match. Right. You, you guys are going to hate me. This is my five. <laughs> All right. Next song is Atonement. Shouting with twisted tongues, emotional rain, hellfire scorched tongues. Come on, come on. Take close attention to this. Come on, come on. Let me give you something good to eat. Come on. And longest song on the record at five minutes fifty seconds, probably the bluesiest song on the record, which oh, is by probably far. why it doesn't resonate with me. Um, Wayne, anything on on atonement? I li- it's got this this dark malevolence to it, like it's uh, I just it's it feels like like the raw like the rage of betrayal, like all condensed into this one. Like it's got religious overtones and it's just got this very dark, evil kind of come on, that come on, come on part. Uh, while this electric, like fairly classic electric blues is playing in the background. And just once again, she just uses these great phrases and choices of words. You know, the blinded like glittery diamonds rusted on crooked fingers. I mean, she just has she just has a great she just makes great choices with the words that she chooses uh, they to you know they just capture the imagination like right right away yeah for sure yeah all right um anything elise on the lyrics maybe? um I, I feel the same way about her like lyrics all the time is like they're so interesting even if like it's so this this was actually my one um but okay. it's it's just it's because it's like out of all these songs, it's my one. But um, but I think with any of them, you can like look at the lyrics and there's just just the this these beautiful like pairings of words that that are beautiful, even if they're like um, harsh and stuff. It's just like very creative and cool. Um, so, yeah, I just I agree about that with this one. All right. So this is your one. This is my two. Wayne. Six. OK. Next song is Sweet Side. 
yourself a ragged trying to be strong you feel bad when you're doing nothing wrong love got all confused with anger and pride so much abuse on such a little child someone you trusted told you to shut up now there's a pain in your gut that you can't get rid of no one heard your screams when you were nine when bad dreams filled the summer at times so you don't always show your sweet side you don't always show And I love songs that sound happy until you unwrap the lyrics. And then you're like, oh, whoa, that's not happy. Yeah. And so she, so she definitely employs that in this song where, you know, you're, you're always thinking, oh, you don't show your sweet side. Oh, well, there's a reason why. Because you were abused and all of these mm-hmm. other really horrible things that happened to you. That's the reason why there's no sweet side. So... Um, just a heavy, heavy song, but wrapped in this um, nice wrapping where you think, oh, this is because the melody is so catchy on this yeah. one. Yeah. Like, like this was to like I, this is one of my favorites on the record. I would say, like, it's like if you're just kind of listening to it melodically, like I think the chorus is one of the more catchy choruses, and she yeah. has a swagger in the way that she sings this one. That like she doesn't get all growly, but there's this kind of like just swagger in the way she sings it that I really like. Um, but yeah, it's heavy, heavy stuff she's singing about in it. Yeah, for sure. Wayne, anything lyrically? Or musically, well, yeah. Lyrically, I, I guess my uh, one of the things I like about it is because so she knows this person so deeply. I mean, so it, the first through the song, it's you don't always show your your sweet side, and then of course, you know, interspersed with the reasons that you that you don't. Um, but then at the end, it changes, and it's I've seen your sweet side. So this person who knows him very well and is and at least to some degree cuts him slack for the way he behaves um, because she knows what he's been through. Uh, and then she acknowledges at the end that she has seen it. So she, she knows it's there. And I, so in a lot of ways, it is sweet that she, she cares about him the way she does and acknowledges that and even though she doesn't get to see that sweet side, just having seen it is, is enough. Yeah. Yeah. Nice take. Uh, yeah, for sure. Hadn't looked at it that way. All right. Wayne, your score. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's a five. But yeah, I once again, like she said, this this record is is just full of. It's hard to rank great songs. Yeah, Elise, your your score. It was a seven for me, even though like I, it really is one of my favorite songs on the record. So I, I don't okay. know. It ended up there though. All right, and this is my eight. All right, next song is Minneapolis. Nope. 
Are there any happy songs about Minneapolis or Minnesota? <laughs> I'm just I'm just asking because I mean one of the one of my favorite lines ever, and you know this, Wayne, is I'm looking California but feeling Minnesota, and so now I equate everything with Minnesota with that Soundgarden song of Minnesota is just so yeah. The, the one take I have on this uh, that's maybe not conventional is. This I can see because uh, the person it feels like this person was left in Minnesota, um, like this is not where they're from. They they were left in a hotel room uh, by Ooh. their lover or yeah, you know think of that. And so, but the descriptions of it, it's it just it made me think of Skyways because I get the mm-hmm. impression that the person is not from Minnesota, not just from some of the some of the descriptions of 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 it is it's not she's not familiar with it or comfortable with it and so it seemed the i trans the other thing that came up with skyways so paul westerberg from minnesota tells a similar looking out a very similar window and tells tells a story so much as a person who's been there and a person who's familiar with it um which i i just thought was interesting but i didn't like the warble in her voice and it kind of it's more in the beginning and then it kind of goes away and then it comes back again um that was i because this other than that i love the song i love i can say i love her her way of writing her her style but i definitely got the impression that the person who was was abandoned here and is not from there yeah i could see that too and i and i don't know for sure but this is a song that that like i love but it's never been one of the ones that like like it, it's it's lower on my list. It just hasn't been one of the ones that I gravitated to the most. But um, reading the lyrics always like with all of her songs, it's like you can have you can like them more if you really are looking at the lyrics of what she's saying. You know, even if the melody doesn't grab you right off the bat, I feel like. But um, yeah, so this this one was not one of my favorites on the album. What was your what was your score in Minneapolis? Uh, it was a five for me. Okay, Wayne. A uh, four. And this is my six. All right. People talking, that's next. And another mid-tempo song. I wish that there was some autobiographical info we could glean for this because I feel like I need some context on the lyrics. Like, I like the lyrics, but I feel like I don't have enough with the lyrics to really paint a picture. Maybe I'm wrong. Wayne, Wayne's much more, uh, much better at the lyrical analysis than I am. What'd I agree. It never that? gets it never gets terribly specific. Um, but I think what what I I looked at my score today and I was like I a, I that seems high because uh, but it has this I could say my favorite Rolling Stones album is Beggar's Banquet and this really feels like it would have fit 
in that kind of it's country, but it's but it's like someone who's not traditionally country messing around with it, trying to, you know, just using it as an influence. So it had and then also there's like I love that line, all I ever hear is gossip and wagon tongues. Like it just it just stuck with me that every time I I would think of that doing other stuff, not even listening to music. But yeah. yeah. I think it was that 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 country that country rock or you know like alt country just something that you could tell it just was different it had a very different sound yeah elise what do you got on this one <laughs> this one like a lot like i cannot tell you the probably hundreds of times i've been like smoking a joint in my kitchen cooking dinner and be, like singing like living is filled with misery pain like I like I always sing like whenever that that song comes on those first parts like I I can't help but like belt it along with her so there's something that connects with me as far as that and it is really country like I even am like singing country when I sing along with it but it's like uh I I just like I love the melody of it and I um it, it, it isn't like as lyrically um dense or maybe unique as the other ones but um it has like a spot on the album when it comes in like a little lift for me because i like singing along to it so that's that's where i sit with this one yeah my note here was uh the lyrics of loving is full of misery and pain somebody called you a dirty name keep on walking yeah probably the Probably the ve- best advice that Lucinda is going to give us in this whole album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. All right. Uh, people talking. This is my seven. Wayne, your score? Eight. Uh, it was my six, weirdly, but I would have thought it was higher than that. I don't know. Okay. All right. Next song is American Dream. can't sleep at all since I got back home. Everything is wrong. Everything is wrong. I worked in the strip mines off and on. Now I can't seem to get rid of this cough. Ain't been many jobs these last few months. And the last one I had, I got laid off. Everything is wrong. I'm curious where y'all sit with this one. This song is a straight up downer. <laughs> yeah. There's just no getting around. Um, do, do you guys, do either one of you know the song Bohemia from May Moore? I don't think so. I know. All right. The verses remind me of the verses on that song because she does this kind of speaking, singing thing that, that Lucinda is kind of doing and kind of the same vibe to it. So I'll give you guys homework. May Moore, Bohemia. I have a pen uh, right here. I'm writing it down. So, and and I really and I really dig this. Her, I really dig Bohemia, which is why I kind of, I don't know. I felt like I've kind of heard the tempo before, and then I started digging with the, you know, digging through the lyrics. I'm like, oh, we, yeah, didn't didn't she already? do this earlier with all the i don't know yeah yeah i know i that that, that this this was uh like one of the lowest on my list and I, it's like i don't even i don't have much to say about it it's just like it's one of the ones that like i least am into on the album yeah wayne it it tries too hard i mean i get 
so she she runs through all of these very serious topics: homeless vets, coal miners, poverty, Native American atrocities. Um, all, but she, so she, but there's too many of them. Like I, she doesn't allow. She develops characters really quickly and vibrantly with these great graphic, yeah. you know, choices of words. And so this time she kind of, I felt like she spread herself too thin and was trying to cover too many topics. And so it lost some of the depth that she's able to capture in other in other songs. I could see that with this. Yeah, maybe that's why I'd like just, I don't know, just has never been one of my favorite ones. Yeah. All right, Elise, what is your score on the on American Dream? Uh, this is a two. All right, Wayne? Also a two. All right, and this is my three. All right, next song is uh, title track, World Without Tears. If we live in a world without tears how would bruises find face to Yep. And I, yeah, the lyrics so great, the guitar work so great. It's got harmonies, which Wayne, you already know, I'm a sucker for. Uh, me too. Um, this is a great song. Um, at least I'm. I got. The, I have the benefit of score. So tell me why you love this song. <laughs> I I chose it. Like if I had, like it was really hard. I went back and forth about what would be my number one a few times. But like this is one of my favorite albums of hers, and that I it's like one of those things again. Like with people talking, like this is a song that I always sing along to when it comes on. I can't like I enjoy singing the melodies to it. Like it it just feels good, and and so that you know really shows me how much I just like love the melody of it. But then when you when you look at the the words, it's like like life just is so hard. But like right rather than writing a song that's like life is so hard, it's like how would scars find skin to etch themselves into if life wasn't so hard, or how, you know like uh, how. How would misery know which back door to walk through? It's just like it's saying something, saying life is hard in just a really beautiful and different way over and over throughout the song. So good. The lyrics are so good on this one. Wayne, what do you got on this one? Yeah, this is the one song that I don't have any comparisons. To, like this is absolutely Lucinda Williams. Like I could no not Keith Richards any, comparisons on nope, this. I, no, not <laughs> at all. I no one could. I just feel like no one else could do this song this way. And I, I mean, my, my view of it is similar to Elise's and a little bit different. I think in a lot of ways it says, um, which not a unique topic, but you don't know the good times. I mean, yeah, broken bones and bruises and, and scars build character. I mean, they make up who you are. And if so, if, if there was a world without tears and everything was great, not, not would everything really be great if there wasn't any, any bruises or scars or misery, right. it, 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 it would lack uh, color. It would lack vibrancy. Yeah. Um, and she, but like I say, she does it so well. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, Elise, your score on this one? This was my 13. All right, this is my 10. Wayne? Nine. Okay. And then last but not least is Words Fail. Silent lips against my cheek. Words fail. And I already brought up the fact that the slow tempo songs don't do much for me, so having this somber tale as the album closer, it's not my favorite. We just talked about one of our favorite songs on this record. I wish that she would have just cut it off at 12. (laughs) Um... It does get some points for me for the slide guitar. It, that's really beautiful yeah. on it. But, um, you know, I I like good album closers where after I'm done listening to it, I'm like, I want to listen to this album again. Yeah. And I don't know, the, 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 the slower aspect of this just makes me want to go, um, yeah, it's time for me to put on a Duran Duran album after this. <laughs> I need, yeah. I need, I, need, I need something to make me smile. But, um, That's funny yeah. you said that because I, when I was looking at this and like ranking it and realizing that like that one was one of the lower scoring ones for me as the album closer, like I always like to put one of my favorite songs that I had recorded as the last one because like I, I people I, I think artists are tempted to like not really with her because her albums are not this way, but like to put like your best ones like at the tops and then like your least favorite ones end up falling towards the bottom. But I like like intentionally making one of my favorite ones like at the end because uh, like going out on like a strong note. But um, she, she, I don't think she did that with this or for me personally. Like I agree. Like maybe it could have ended at twelve and been a little bit stronger overall. But. Um, so it's not one of my favorites. I love her voice. I think she's an amazing poet. So it's, it's you know there's I still can find beauty in it, but not one of my favorites. Yeah, Wayne, anything on words fell? I I think that it has a yeah you know, like this is the one that has this like almost funeral dirge type of feel right. to it. Um, uh, it's like an Irish. It feels like an it could be a two hundred year old Irish folk song. I mean. That's that's a talent in and of itself. It's very it's well written, but I and I don't mind it at the end as far as like we've discussed before, kind of a closing credits. I mean, what I mean, a funeral is is the end of someone's life. This is the and the end of a record. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a mistake that it's put at the end, but I think it only works yeah. at the end. Yeah, interesting. I'd, yeah, yeah, I'd probably have to agree with you on that as well. This is my four. Wayne, your score? Uh, three. And then Elise. Uh, this is my four as well. Okay. So this is the point where I go, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? I feel like we took a thorough look at the album. Yeah, I think we I think so too. All right. Um, let's, let's take a look at our top songs. So we'll, let's figure out our top five. Any guesses on what number one is? Maybe A World Without Tears. Yeah, that we all did have that one higher. Number two, so Fruits of My Labor, top song. Ah. Um, the average score of 11 for that. World Without Tears, average score of 10.66. We've got Righteously, average score of 10.33. And then rounding out the top five, we've got um, Red Li- Real Live Bleeding Fingers and Broken Guitar Strings. So 
Um, Elise's low score didn't Not knock good. it out of the top five <laughs> for us, Wayne. I like them all, so. I know. I'm just giving you a hard time. And then last but not least, those three days, uh, average score of nine. So that makes up our top five. Uh, Ventura just barely missed out on the top five, average score of 8.66. But that's a pretty solid five, though. <laughs> That's a solid five. Yeah, makes sense to me that those would be it. It's so fun to do this with an album. I've never like done anything like this with other people of like a ranking like that. So it's cool to to break it down like that. I'm glad we had the chance to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was a lot of fun, Elise. So to tell tell our listeners where they can find all the happenings of Elise Davis out there. Yeah. Um, so my full album, Anxious Happy Chill, is out now, and it's on all all the things, the Apple Music and iTunes and all that. Um, I am going to begin touring again slowly, kind of in the middle summer through the fall, but still working on that. Um, but all the updates for that will be on elisedavis.com or Instagram or Facebook. And uh, yeah, I, I can't wait till I can get on the road again. So are you going to be coming down to Florida? I hope so. I, I okay. have never played a ton in Florida. I've played like once there, but um I love warm weather and I love being like near the beach. So I just want to do like a beach tour around Florida. What part, what part are you in? I'm just outside of Orlando. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Both of you. All right. Uh, uh, I'm, Wayne. In, I'm up near Seattle. Okay. Yep. Oh, wow. Cool. I love playing in Seattle. Right. So last question. And uh, we ask all of our guests. So who do you know that I don't know who should join us on this podcast to talk about one of their favorite records. Ooh, um, I have so many singer-songwriter friends here in Nashville. Um, maybe I would say my friend Caroline Spence or my friend Stephanie Lambring. You know, we've had both on. <laughs> no way. Uh, what about Haley Withers? <laughs> we have not had Haley on. Okay, she's one of one of my good girlfriends here too. She she would she'd probably pick a country record, but um, she she'd be fine. We're, we're down for that. Okay. Well, we'll. We'll, we'll, we'll chat offline then. All right. Um, as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes. Just go to recordsrevisitpodcast.com. Of course, we're on the socials as well. Look for us on Facebook. Just search for Records Revisited Podcast. I'm also active on Twitter, at Podcast Records. Wayne is on the Instagram. Where can they find us there? Records Revisited Podcast. And then, of course, go subscribe and rate or review us on all of the, the major platforms, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. And then, of course, don't forget to join our Patreon to get episodes a week early. If you contribute at the guest revisitor level, you could also join us on an episode to talk about one of your favorite records. So go to patreon.com slash records revisited podcast to get all the details there. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. I would tell you to go to a live show, but, um, you know, we're still doing the live stream thing, but uh, slowly but surely we're going to get back out there. So make sure that you go support your favorite musicians. Uh, make sure you buy a T-shirt of the band, buy a record, maybe one that's called Anxious Happy Chill. Make sure you also visit a record store. Just uh, make sure that you mask up and, and be safe out there. We are Records Revisited, and we are... Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> I started too soon. <laughs>